in uh, all the ministries that I've had, pastoral ministries I've had uh, since 1976 when I first started preaching, God has always kind of um, given me a target in my prayer life to, uh, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. And so in all of my ministries, I've, I've asked the Lord, you know, what should be my domain in prayer as to these uh, principalities and powers. And uh, here in South Carolina, uh, uh, it's the upstate, the upstate of South Carolina. And uh, I've been praying this way. When I pray, I try to include in my prayer the prayer for the upstate and what I'm praying about. And uh, not just praying for this church and not just praying for our families and our needs and our situations, but praying for all the churches in the upstate, praying for all the pastors in the upstate, all the elders, all the deacons, all the congregations, where there are truly people gathering together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, recently, there's just been some incredible, incredible things taking place. And uh, sometimes when God's answering your prayers about what you've been praying about, it's happened many times to me. When it first comes to me, it looks like an irritation or a frustration. But as I keep looking at it, he says, haven't you been praying about this? And I'm answering your prayer. And there's just been some uh, really incredible supernatural things happening recently, community-wise, uh, that I believe that God is doing. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is asking you to join with me in your prayer life uh, to broaden the horizon of not just our church or our family, but especially if we could target the upstate of South Carolina in our prayers and include that together. You know, God says if two of you agree in prayer as touching what you're praying about, I'm going to work in supernatural ways. So I ask you to join me with that as the Lord leads you. Uh, I'm seeing some really uh, encouraging things take, taking place uh, in people's lives that goes way back, goes way back. I mean, I've been here since 1996, and one of the situations I'm thinking of right now goes back before I got here of what God's doing as far as answers to prayer. And just very, very supernatural types of things. I give God praise for what he's doing. We win the battle in prayer, and then we go out and reap the harvest of what God is doing. God wins the battle in prayer. We don't win the battle. We win the battle by understanding how to pray according to God's word, and then we go out and reap the harvest of what God's doing. But it goes back to prayer. It goes back to prayer. Now, for several weeks, uh, I've been focused on the parables, as you know, and every week I've had in the bulletin the four heart conditions. And up to this point, we've only covered the hard heart. And I've got it in there again, the four heart conditions. And uh, I'm not worried about it. Uh, these verses that we're looking at uh, in 13, Matthew 13, 18 to 23, is worth memorizing, prayerfully meditating upon what you've memorized, prayerfully digesting, prayerfully assimilating 
getting below the surface and the Holy Spirit giving understanding, uh, the, 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 the greatest need that any of us have in all humanity of any human person living is to see the condition of what's going on in our heart before God. And the Lord interpreted, there's eight parables in Matthew 13. The Lord interpreted two of those parables. The first one that he gives the interpretation of is the sower and the seed, which is what we've been focused on. And I've already mentioned this in Mark chapter 4. The Lord said, if you don't understand this sower and the seed parable, you will not understand any of the other parables. So I thank God that God's kind of parking us here and we're taking our time on this parable, the sower and the seed. Because if we don't get some of the uh, deeper dynamics that we, you know, sometimes we've gotten it, but we don't, we don't have it. We need to go deeper with it. We need to let it sink in further. And I'd ask you to, you know, prayerfully consider that before the Lord. Uh, you know, God uh, is quite capable of doing a dissection of our heart, surgery on our heart. And it's kind of like the layers on an onion. And as we really get earnest before God, especially in this section of Scripture, that we want to understand the hardness, we want to understand the rockiness, we want to understand the thorniness, and we want to understand the good, good ground. And we're asking God to pull back the layers, pull back the layers, pull back the layers, that we can really see what's really going on in our heart. Now, to help us with that, I'd like to talk about the why question. The why question. Now, this is very simple. Nothing complicated about it. If we're going to find out what's going on in our heart, we've got to ask the why question. And this particularly relates to the rocky ground, which is the only thing I'm going to address today, the rocky ground. I don't know what kind of photo you have about the stony ground or the rocky ground, you need to have uh, correct pictures in your mind of what's in Scripture. Uh, Have you ever heard the expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, sometimes we get misconception uh, pictures in our mind about what's in God's Word, and we need the Holy Spirit to give us correct pictures in our mind so that we... Look at it properly. And the rocky ground or stony ground is not soil where the stones are protruding. You got some soil and you got some stones and the stones are protruding. The kind of rocky ground he's talking about here is you see all soil, but the soil is shallow. And below the shallowness of all the soil you see, there's a layer of hardness. Now, we already spent a lot of time talking about the hard ground. But there's still a hardness when it comes to the stony ground. But now it's more disguised. And it's below the surface. There's an appearance of something on the surface. There's a superficial appearance of something going on. But the genuineness of it is not taking place properly yet. And so this layer of solid hardness is underneath. It's concealed. And because uh, the seed falls into the shallow ground, 
and you've got the heat reflecting from the, the stone underneath, there's a quick germination of the plant. Immediately, it's a lot quicker germination of the plant because of the reflected heat of the hardness underneath. But not only is there a quick germination of the plant, it doesn't take long for the plant to wither by the same sun that brought the germination. And God willing, if I get to it, if we are not rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ alone, I want to mention some other things that we could be rooted and grounded in. If we are not mentioned, are, are rooted in Jesus Christ alone, life will run its course and will wither without being properly joined to Christ and properly abiding in Christ. Now, the why question helps to get to the motive of things. It, it, help, it helps us get to that hardness underneath that you don't see. And uh, there's a shallow response, a superficial response that gives the appearance of faith, uh, gives the appearance of real faith, but it's not real faith. It's a superficial faith. And once it runs its course, uh, the plant withers and there's no fruit. Every one of these first three soils, the one thing they have in common is there's no lasting fruit. Jesus said in John 15, he said, he's ordained us as believers, true believers. He's ordained us to bring forth what kind of fruit? Fruit that remains. So a true believer, a person that's truly come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, will have lasting spiritual fruit constantly emerging out of their life. The path of the just is like a shining light that shines. How does it shine? More and more until the perfect day. So there's fruit that remains that constantly emerges in the life of a true believer. The theological way of putting that, which we really do need to understand it, is the perseverance of the saints. If you are truly a believer and you are rooted and grounded only in Jesus Christ, you will be able to persevere in all the afflictions, all the tribulations, all the adversities, all the situations, all the circumstances. You, it will, not, you will not be overcome by the uh, things that are going on in the world, but as the Bible say, says, you will be able to overcome the world. Amen? You'll be able to overcome the world. You won't be underneath it. You'll be on top of it in Jesus Christ alone. If it's not in Jesus Christ, it's not possible. Now, the why question gets to the motive. And the motive gets to the heart. This week, there were some words that came out of my mouth that uh, should not have come out of my mouth. And I had to ask myself, why did those words come out of my mouth? Because usually what we're focused on is something outside of us. We're usually focused on something outside of us. It could be a circumstance. It could be a person. It could be whatever. But we're fo- it's something outside we're focused on. And if we get to the truth of what's going on in our heart, we, God desires truth. God desires truth where? 
we got to see what's truly going on in our heart so we can get our heart, get that layer, one more layer of that onion peeled away so we can get our heart right with God. And by the way, I can't handle onions real good. <laughs> I think my wife can handle them a lot better than me because the tears start coming as soon as I, I'm, I'm around it. But I tell you, it's a good thing spiritually. It's a good thing spiritually. When, this, when the tears are flowing because you're truly, sincerely seeing what's in your heart. Before God. I'm not talking about before people. I'm talking about before God. God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me. With what? All your heart. How are we supposed to love God? We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart. This is a heart matter. These four conditions of the soil is all about us. God's dissecting uh, x-ray, whatever you want to call it, surgery. God's uh, opening up to us what we need to see about what's really going on in our heart. And by the way, what we think's going on in our heart and what's really going on in our heart is the difference between night and day. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. Every man's heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. How can we know what's really going on? God's got to show it to us. The Holy Spirit has got to show it to us. And by the way, if you're a believer, I'd like to uh, 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 encourage you and challenge you to think outside the box of your personality. I'd like to encourage you and challenge you to think outside the box of your intellect or your amazing charm or amazing wit. Any of this stuff we normally think about that makes us such a significant person in the eyes of people. You know, where we get these, you know, uh, reports of how wonderful a person we are. Because of certain, certain things, you know, we may have that other people don't have or, or, or some such thing. But I'm going to tell you that the only way that any person can get the truth is by the Holy Spirit. Supernaturally working. You do not get it by intellect alone. And when you're uh, in surgery with God and God's dissecting and pulling the layers of the onion back, you've got to honestly say, search me, oh God, and see if there be in me any what? Wicked way. Now, the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin that's in our heart. When those words came out of my mouth, I started asking the why question because I, I was getting ready to preach on it. I was getting ready to preach on it. And so I said, well, I might as well apply what I'm preaching here. You know, let's examine your own heart about this. And the first thing that God uh, brought to my mind was, uh, out of the abundance, out of the abundance of what's where? Out of the abundance of what's in your heart, where does it show up? It shows up in your mouth. So the problem Yes, we have a problem with our mouth, but why do we have a problem with our mouth? Because we have a problem with our heart. And if we don't get to the heart 
of the problem, then we don't resolve the problem. And to get to the heart of the problem, we need to ask the why question. The why question. Here was David, and uh, God sent Nathan to David. And Nathan told David a story about the rich man and the poor man and this traveler that came along, and uh, the traveler needed some food. And instead of the rich man taking out of his abundance to feed the man the food with his own lambs, you know, most of you know the story, he took the lamb from the poor man. And then what does it say happened with David? David's anger was greatly kindled. Now, if your anger is greatly kindled in any way, (laughs) examine what? Examine what? Your own heart. Usually we're angry because somebody's didn't do something that we thought they, either they did something they shouldn't have done or so forth and so on. Somebody else has got the problem. But anger is a heart problem, just like any other uh, problem we have as far as temptation. It's a heart problem. Why did David get angry? Why? What's the answer to the why question? Why did he get angry? He got angry because what he perceived was going on in somebody else's life that he was so angry about. What did Nathan say about it? He said, you don't realize the way you're reacting is the way you should be reacting to who? Yourself and what's going on where? In your heart. And by the way, I mean, you know, these stories, these parables is God's way to get truth to our heart. If people don't have a heart for it, if their heart's not broken or tender or open, uh, you know, they're not going to receive it because for, on parables hide the truth on the one side, but on the other side they reveal truth. And uh, so David had a heart problem, and if you ask the why question, you can see what the problem was. The problem was inside of him, not outside of him. Now here was uh, another man that came to the Lord, he was all upset about his brother not uh, properly dividing the inheritance. And uh, again, where is the problem from the brother's point of view? From the brother's point of view, his other brother, his brother outside of him had a problem. This is usually how it works. This is usually how we look at things. Somebody else has got the problem. And God says we need to use what's happening. I mentioned this last Sunday, the reproofs of life. When God allows things to happen in life, he's trying to help us see what's really in our heart. He allows it to happen so we can see what's going on in our heart and get it right with him. And so the Lord did not address what the the man wanted him to address. The, The brothers got the problem. The Lord said to everybody that was there, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things that a man possesses, which, by the way, when we get to the uh, thorny ground, what is one of the thorns there that causes such problems in life? The deceitfulness of riches. It's big. It's big. It's gigantic. 
That's why I say, if you're not rooted and grounded only in Jesus Christ for your security, your salvation, your hope, your joy, your peace. And so that thorn, can get, that, that thorn has gotten a lot of people and continues to be a problem for all of us. So the Lord said, he didn't say, uh, you know, the brother had a problem. He addressed it to the man that was talking to him. And by asking the why question, why is this brother so upset? And the Lord put it this way to everybody. Beware, beware of what? Beware of covetousness. Why, did, why was this brother uh, handling himself the way he was handling himself? Because there was something not right in his own heart. Why? Ask the why question. I'm telling you, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. But ask the why question by the supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Whenever you got some anger or some frustration or some irritation or some situation that you don't have peace, you don't have rest, ask the question and ask God to help you by his Holy Spirit. Why am I responding this way? Why? Why am I responding this way? And I tell you, God will move heaven and earth quickly to get the answer to you when he sees. You really have a tender heart. You really want to know the truth. I tell you, it's hard to face the truth about yourself. It's hard to face it. But God will move heaven and earth to get the truth to anybody that wants to really face the truth about what's really going on inside of them. That's the only way you ever get your heart right with God, is God's got to show it to you. Amen? If God doesn't show it to you, you're not, you're not ever going to see it. So, here was a woman taken in adultery, and uh, they brought her to the Lord, and they wanted her to be stoned, according to the law. Question is, why... Did they bring the woman to Jesus and want her to be stoned? I mean, were they just after, uh, we want to make sure justice was done and righteousness was done and the law was properly adhered to? Was that their motive? See, when you get to motive, uh, you begin to see it's not what it appears to be. The hardness is below the surface. It's below the surface. Which, by the way, the Lord said, unless, was there any righteousness that the scribes and Pharisees had on the surface of things? What did the Lord say about it? He said, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. This all, these parables are all about understanding the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And the scribes and Pharisees had that very impressive outward appearance of righteousness. But they didn't have truth. They did not have the truth where? They didn't have the truth in their heart. Romans 10 says, you know, uh, when it talks about getting saved and putting your faith in Christ, it says you confess with your mouth, where do you believe? You believe 
in your heart. If it's just an intellectual assent to facts and you're not really convicted of sin, you don't really understand the cross work of Jesus Christ, you, you don't uh, really understand the issues of repentance of sin, turning from sin and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't understand the depravity of the human nature, the sin nature problem that we all have inside of us even after we are saved. Even after we are saved, we still have this deceitfulness of sin, deceitfulness of our own heart inside of us, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Turn over to Hebrews with me. The reason why they brought the woman to Jesus, the why question, which the Lord, the Lord addressed it. I don't know what he wrote on the ground, but he addressed the why question. He addressed it by what he wrote on the ground. He also addressed it by the words he said. He said, he that is among you, what did he say? He that is among you. So where is he trying to get them to look, by the way? He, I mean, the Lord knew. They, their motive was to bring accusation and charges against him. That was their motive. And the Lord put it right back on them, and they had to look at their own heart. Amen? Had to look at their own heart. And so in Hebrews, where did I say to turn? Hebrews 3. I hope I'm. I hope that's where I want to go here. It it says it says that we should exhort one another daily. This is talking to the believers now, but it, it hits to the point of what we're talking about as far as the deceitfulness of sin and not recognizing the depravity of our heart. Listen, you can't get your heart right with God if you don't recognize the depravity of your heart. The corruption of your heart. I'm talking about in the constitution of our being, in the disposition of our being, in the nature of our being. There is none righteous, no, not one. One day, there was these folks that came uh, to the Lord after he fed the 5,000. And uh, uh, their motive was not right for coming. They were not looking at the right why of why they were coming it, they they came to the lord and the lord said you seek me not because you understand i'm the son of god not because you understand the depravity of your sin not because you understand i'm the promised messiah that can deliver from sin not because you understand your desperate need of understanding the cross work or understanding repentance or understanding the great need to be born again he said, that's not why you're seeking me. It goes back to the why question. It goes back to the why question. He says, the reason why you're seeking me is because you ate of the loaves and were full. Their focus was not on the spiritual. Listen, this is why so many people have a shallow response. So, so many folks have a shallow response because it's all about their gain, my gain, my interests. My needs, and it's, and it's based on what they perceive their need to be. It's one thing to get on board with something because somebody's preaching a prosperity gospel. Amen? 
Come to Jesus Christ and, uh, you know, material blessings will flow. What the Lord said was, before you decide to follow me, sit down first. Sit down first and don't look at what gain's going to come. Look at what it's going to cost you. Look at what it's going to cost you if you follow me. Furthermore, nobody gets their heart right with God if you're focused on your gain. Uh, I have sinned against holy God. Now, when you see that, truly see it in the, in the depths of your heart, then what do you know you are, from that point on, what are you worthy of? If we get what we deserve from God, once we see we've sinned against holy God, it takes the material gain out of the question. It just removes the whole focus on the material gain completely. I deserve to be eternally separated from God. I've sinned against holy God. When the prodigal son, which by the way, if you want to understand repentance and really get into the depths of your, in your heart of what understanding repentance, the prodigal son is a good place to go and look at what happened with the prodigal son and what he discovered was in his heart. But when the prodigal son went back to his uh, father, he wasn't all up in arms about what he deserved from his father. What did he say to his father? I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. Now, that's true repentance. That's true saving faith. He said, I'm not worthy of anything from you. The reason why the shallowness is there is because we have a, a misperception or misconception of blessedness. What God says about blessedness and what we perceive blessedness to be is the difference between night and day. For instance, God says, blessed are the poor. Where? In spirit. For theirs is what? The kingdom. Everything we're talking about as far as the uh, parables and entering into the understanding of the dynamics of the operation of God's kingdom, you've got to recognize your utter poverty, your utter spiritual poverty before God, your sinfulness before God. And that you are, uh, what you are worthy of is to be separated from God. And, and when, we're going to get to it in these uh, Matthew 13 parables. Quite a number of them talk about when judgment comes, there's eternal judgment. I mean, when you start to think about God's rescued me from eternal damnation. God's rescued me from eternal judgment. If he spared not his only son to rescue me from eternal damnation, eternal judgment, how much more do I have to worry about God taking care of me in this temporal life? I have to worry about God taking care of me in this temporal life. If he's taking care of the eternal, he can certainly take care of the temporal. Amen? You don't have to worry about it. Or one of the thorns is uh, the, it's the cares the cares of this world. What do the cares of this world do? Chokes the truth of the word out. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to show us the sinfulness of our heart internally, we don't get our heart right with God sincerely and genuinely, 
And it's only a matter of time before the rains fall and the floods come and the wind blows. And if your house is not founded on salvation and redemption and atonement on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his death and his burial and his resurrected life. And like I said this morning about the only sunshine we need is the sunshine of his face. The Lord can add, he can give, he can take away as far as earthly things, earthly blessings, earthly experiences, earthly whatever you want to call it in this life. But our Lord Jesus Christ never changes. He's always the same. Always the same. It's not the joy of what the Lord does for us that is our strength. It's the joy of the Lord himself that is our strength. Amen. And as far as prosperity goes, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. So if you want to follow Jesus, uh, you, you better be willing to live that way. If God so ordains. So you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm talking about the deceitfulness of sin. And where is that deceitfulness of sin? In our heart. Now look at Hebrews 3. Verse 13, exhort one another once a week when the preacher preaches. That's what it says there in verse 13. Everybody see that? Exhort one another once a week on Sunday morning or Sunday night when the preacher preaches. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Exhort. We're talking about every believer exhorting. We're not just talking about the preacher exhorting. Because every member of the body, we all have the same sin problem. Amen? We all, all of us need to constantly be exhorting each other. We've got the same problem. And so every believer who has a Holy Spirit dwelling within us, you know, First John says, if the believer says he has no sin, First John chapter 1, if the believer says he has no sin, what is he doing? He's deceiving himself. And what else does it say? The truth is not in him. Exhort one another how often? How, Jesus said, if you're going to understand the gospel, understand salvation, understand what it means to believe on me, take up your cross, take up your cross. How often? Daily. Understand your daily need to die to sin and die to self. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Because of Christ in us, when we have received his life in us, and if we die to sin and die to self and reckon to be true what God says is true about us through Jesus Christ, then we can live that overcoming life. Then the, uh, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be made manifest. And the things of this world will not take us down to the what the Old Testament calls the uh, miry clay. Miry clay. Or, or, uh, like in Jeremiah's case, he got thrown into the miry pit and by the way if you're going to really follow the lord with a genuine heart and get that hardness resolved you got to be prepared for the what's going to come against you it's that's what this is all about because it says when tribulation this is this uh, rocky ground stony stony ground when tribulation and persecution comes your way because of the word if you are not truly rooted in jesus Christ, will you be able to stand?
you will not be able to stand. You'll not be able to take it. I'm telling you, the fear of man, the fear of man can only be overcome by the fear of God. And, and especially, uh, how do we overcome this dragon? We overcome this dragon by the blood of the lamb, number one. We overcome this dragon by the word of our testimony, number two. We're not, a, we're not ashamed to, to stand for Christ publicly. The word of our testimony. We got our boots of the gospel on. We're not afraid to testify on behalf of Christ. And number three, we're not afraid to die physically if need be. It says we love not our lives unto death. Now that's a true believer. That's a true believer. Now it's going to take a lot of grace from God. It's easy for me to say the words. Easy for me to say the words. It takes a lot of grace from God to live all that out. But through the life of Jesus Christ, it is possible. Amen. Exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest in any of you, here's the word that we're focused on, not only the hardness of the first ground, but the hardness of the stony ground. Lest any of you be hardened through what? The deceitfulness of sin, which is in, still in us as believers. So if you don't recognize it when you get started, you know, Colossians says, in the same way that you received Jesus Christ through true repentance of sin, confession of sin, understanding your desperate need of the cross work of Jesus Christ, in the same way that you received him, understanding your depravity and the corruption of your heart, so walk ye in what manner? In him. If you didn't get it right to start with, it's only a matter of time before you fizzle out. It, it just run its course. The plant will wither. Now, I want to close this sermon by uh, what can we be rooted and grounded in other than Jesus Christ? We can be rooted and grounded in a spiritual experience. We can be rooted and grounded in a spiritual movement. We can be rooted and grounded in a religion. We can be rooted and grounded in an organization. We can be rooted and grounded in a denomination. We can be rooted and grounded in a tradition. We can be rooted and grounded in an ideology or a philosophy that leaves Christ out. If Jesus Christ is not the center of your worldview, if you leave Christ Jesus the Lord out of the center and put him at the center of everything, you'll never get the truth right in your life. There's so many takes of man where the focus is partly on Christ and partly on something else. And what I'm saying is, if you're rooted and you're grounded and you're able to stand against the tribulation and the persecution, you are, have to be only rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ himself. Only him. He's the only one that will carry you through. There's too many things out there, too many different views out there, too many different things that men say about so many different things. If you haven't come to know the living Lord Jesus Christ in a real genuine way in your life, you're vulnerable to deception of man's traditions, which is another thing you can be rooted in.
You can be rooted in man's traditions and not be rooted in the Lord himself. So this is getting to the heart of the problem. And may God give, give me the grace to get to it in my own life. Let's pray. Now, Father in heaven, we need no other sunshine. There's so many motives for why we do what we do. We want to gain sunshine in addition to the sunshine of your face. And if you don't give us the sunshine of our circumstances or the sunshine of whatever it is, uh, we might lose heart. But God, we thank and we praise you that you are a sovereign king. You have never let anything happen to anybody. You tell us in your word, you work all things together for good to them that love you and understand your purpose, and that is centered in your son, Jesus Christ, to know him, to become like him, and to make him known. And once we understand that, then every situation that comes into our life is a win-win situation. And so I pray you'd help us, Father. It's easy to say words. It's quite another thing to, by faith, reckon the truth of your word to be true and it sincerely be in our heart. And so I ask you to use this, these different soils and uh, the, this first parable to help all of us as a congregation to really see what's going on in our heart. And especially, I pray you'd help us to ask the why question. I pray you wouldn't forget it. Whenever we're struggling with something, ask the question, why am I struggling? It's like the psalmist we just went over in prayer meeting. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? He asked the why question and he got some resolution. I pray you teach us how to do it by your Holy Spirit and get the resolution we need in our heart. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.